that I shoot with and I want, I Ah, there we are. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the uh, gathering of the world's extremists, known as the Angry American Nation podcast. And you can just tell by the faces on the screen that I nailed it when I said that. Uh, sadly, we don't have Emory tonight again. Uh, his drone accident, back injuries flaring up. Uh, actually, no, he's in New York raising money for Israel tonight. But we do have the awesome Mr. T. Toombs of Mountain Readiness. And the fabulous voiceover man himself, Sue LaRue, in the house tonight. How you doing, Sue? Awesome. I'm doing good. And I'm then good. Yep. we've got one of my good friends. I've been excited to do this one for a while, Matt, because me and you ain't talk much. But I got uh, Mr. Matt Tate with American Survival, or not American, sorry, me, uh, Survival Co. Uh, who we were just talking about your partner, Joel. But uh, anyway, uh, if you guys have it. I don't know well, what happened. We lost. He'll him. be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll kick back in. So anyway, so anyway, t tell us what you've been doing, Matt. Oh, been staying busy. Uh, you know, teaching survival classes. Uh, just finished uh, about a month and a half ago with uh, you know, the plan. There he is. here. Here he goes. <clears throat> Um, I'm, I'm experimenting with internet tonight, guys. I've, I've got two different networks running, two different methods. I'm trying to smooge things to get them better. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> so, okay, check the show Snowflake Mountain with him and Joel on Netflix. It'd be hilarious to watch. So, uh, Joel, just check that out Joel, today. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Joel in my head. Uh, so Matt, what have you been up to, man? What's the what's on the menu for Survival Co? What is on your menu? And I know we just said Joel's going to school, so we know what he's up to. Right on. Well, uh, I've got one more class uh, for this year, and then I'm taking the rest of the year off from teaching the survival stuff, and then we'll kick that back off in January. Maybe the next week or two, I'll get next year's uh, schedule published, and then. Um, doing work with uh, Salvo, uh, the other company that uh, I work with. And so that's been keeping me pretty busy um, consulting uh, that type of stuff. You know, it's, awesome. it's been kind of good for me because I don't get bored just doing one thing. You know, I get to mix it up, uh, doing a variety of stuff. Well, and he's gone. It's going to be one of them nights. It appears. I think so. It's going to be uh, one of them nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was... I actually just watched, uh, I don't watch a whole lot of television, so I, I saw just the first few episodes of Snowflake Mountain, and I got to say, them dudes, they, they had it made, like compared to my childhood, I was like, man, they got Twinkies and Ho-Hos and stuff falling from the trees, like I, I would have been, <laughs> been killing it out there. Sign me up for the next Snowflake Mountain. I, I gained 20 pounds. Right. Yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> pretty nice digs that they stayed in you know i would probably rent that place uh because i, oh, I yeah. thought it was awesome but you know it's all relative right to to where right. you're from things you've done and haven't done and so for them you might as well have been standing them up you know at the gates of hell it was uh oh yeah <laughs> no, you, can, 
something else. It was hurting their feelings. There's no doubt. It was. It was. <laughs> that's that's too funny. And so for you guys watching, uh, Matt is a is a premier survival instructor. Like he knows his business. He's a lot of fun to be in the woods with too. So if you have survival related questions tonight, uh, use hashtag survival to tag your question. And of course, at the end, we'll have a whole little Q and A few minutes for you. And I apologize for my internet doing what it's doing tonight, guys. I'm working on it still. Uh, let me see. So Snowflake Mountain, are they going to do any more of that, Matt? Uh, I, I don't know the answer. The, the last thing that I heard was uh, negotiations between production and Netflix kind of ground to a halt. So I, I don't know. Uh, that could be the end of it. Uh, we could see these down the road. But as of right now, uh, I don't have anything on the schedule from them that we're, we're going to be filming anytime. So for now, I'm just, you know, trucking on and, and doing what I do. And if the opportunity pops back up, then I'll jump on it. But uh, for now, there's nothing scheduled. Uh, well, you know, I know you guys had a good time doing it. But at the same time, doing TV kind of sucks. Everybody thinks it's fun. But. It's not as much fun as they think it is when you're dealing with producers and, and PAs and all the other people that are trying to make you do what they want you to do. You know, you know I can only imagine what that was like for you two. All this stuff on fire looks fun. I mean, yeah, setting up my stuff on fire looked pretty cool. I, I was into that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. They didn't like it much. Perfect. Yeah, they did you guys really burn their stuff or was there empty suitcases? Uh, well, they went above and beyond to get, uh, exact replicas. I don't know how much time they spent doing that because those people came. Really? Own, yeah. They had exact replicas, uh, of that. So <laughs> they thought that we so did. <laughs> and I, I felt terrible because some of those people, they had brought like their most prized possessions, MacBooks or whatever. And so, you know, in their mind, all of it just got destroyed. So, you know, one, one side of me is, is laughing on the inside and the others, I'm like, I feel really bad for them right now because some of all they had, you know? Yeah. But some of the, some of the people that are on there in the beginning, I was like, I, I, I want to see this guy suffer. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, I'm like, so I want to watch him suffer. because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was looked like a good time to me. Um, it was so. What's uh, we'll, we'll jump into some stuff and, and Sue and, and, and T, you guys don't, don't hesitate, but uh, but let's get your take real quick, Matt, on, on the current state of our well, let's just say world. Um, and then what uh, what you think folks should be prioritizing right now. Because everybody's nervous, you know, everybody's wondering what they should be doing. So, so let's talk about it for a few minutes. Well, you know, everybody can look around. It doesn't matter if you're looking on a news channel or Instagram or, you know, Facebook or YouTube. It doesn't matter. You're going to see really just chaos happening everywhere in the world right now. And uh, whether that's what's happening in Israel or you go uh, even further east of that, lots of things are happening that are not making it to the news, but that are pretty, pretty yeah. big things. And so, you know, I think this is one of those times where it's really easy for folks to get overwhelmed because there's so much big deal stuff happening out there right now. But, you know, I always, 
always say, uh, you know, focus on what's close to you and what's close to us really is our board. And that's the most concerning thing to me is just uncontrolled masses uh, coming across our border and us not knowing the intentions of those people. With so many of them uh, being military-aged, just males coming across, I don't think they're here for uh, for food stamps or, you know, bowling alleys. I, I don't know why they're here. Better, better quality of life. That's, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's. I that's agree. I, agree. I, think, I think all of America agrees, too. Yeah, I think everybody in the country, well, most everybody in the country agrees with that. You have these people that believe in open borders, you know, everywhere. Like, there should be no border, no place. There's those folks. But for anybody who has any pride in where they live, they think the same thing. That that's our biggest problem. And you're starting to see it in Europe. Europe's starting to wake up, you know. Um, a lot of countries are going to be in a world of hurt moving forward. But they're even starting to wake up. Um, and it's like French to be the way for some reason. I don't understand that. So why are, the French, why are they always so easy to take to the streets, man? Sue, you're talking you. to me. You're 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 cutting out real bad. Oh yeah. Oh, okay, I was out. There. But uh, am I? Sorry, guys. I'm again. I'm experimenting yeah. with the internet. I was just saying. Why do you think the French are always the ones that take to the street first? Well, at, I was I was actually paying attention uh, for just a, a one day last. I think it was Saturday, and uh, I was listening to the the uh, pro Palestinian protest in London, and then they had another big one in Paris. And uh, in London, like uh, like Matt was saying, in London, there's people saying, "Hey, enough of this." And so there was also a pro Israel group that uh, got mm -hmm. in a confrontation with the pro Palestinian group. What surprised me was there was 90 arrests and all of them came out of the pro-Israeli group. So I, th that's the part that scares me the most in our home territory. And we, we touched a little bit on this in the last episode when I said there's 80 FBI agents running around New Jersey looking for one guy who went into the woods. Uh, my question is, mm -hmm. and I... For everybody out there that carries a badge or, or is part of law enforcement and everything, remember you're 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 signed and you swear an oath to the Constitution like we do in the military, right? And I know some of the, some of the prosecutors and some of the DAs and everything in certain counties and certain districts are kind of left leaning. But when you carry a badge, you still have the prerogative whether you want to arrest this guy or arrest that guy, you know. So. I'm I'm worried about what are what is our law enforcement going to do if people like you and I or T stand up and say, "Hey, enough's enough." Are we are we the first ones to go to jail? Are we the first ones to be disarmed? And, and are we going to sit in you know sit in a jail cell or a prison block or or the county lockup for six eight months before we ever get our uh, our our charges read to us? You know, like some some people did in uh, a, a protest or basically a, a little bit of a uh, got a little things got a little out of hand just a few years ago right you know right after the election i i, I just hope that uh the law enforcement was starts taking the side of common sense here in this country that's and that's my opinion that's that's a, that's the part that makes me nervous yeah and, and, and me too, Sue, because, you know, we've talked about before that 
that we have like a, a two-tier justice system in this country now. There's if you're left, you get treated one way, but if you're right, you get treated another way. And when we constantly hear the director of the FBI and people like that come out saying that, oh, right-wing extremism is the greatest threat to this nation. When we look around and we don't see right-wing violence, but you see left-wing violence everywhere you look. Uh, you know, at what point do you do you say to yourself that, that you know, kind of like Reagan, you know, I didn't leave America. America's left me almost at this point. You know, um, I don't have the same rights as everybody else. And that's what scares me, you know, because uh, like you said, it's up to what law enforcement. Is, Go ahead. What scares me is, is, is uh, now they're saying homesteaders are the new, new basically terrorists. You know, think about yeah. that. What does that say about where our country is going? What it says is, is that if you if you take care of yourself, you're self-sufficient and you will stand up to tyranny. You are a terrorist. That's what it says. Yeah, because it's it's homesteaders, it's homeschoolers, um, it's anybody who thinks independently, tries to tries to take care of themselves. Uh, you know, not looking for the handouts, not looking for the state to support them in any way. Those are the people they're afraid of. Because you know, there's that whole you know we hear it as a joke, but and we all say it, but that you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. You know, uh, and that's I think their real goal is is that direction. Um, that 2030 stuff, which they keep changing the dates on all the time. But, you know, by, what is it, 2026, every vehicle has to have a kill switch in the country, which a lot of them do. If you have OnStar, your vehicle already has that, that capability. They can do that. But the fact that now every vehicle manufactured has to have it. Um, and then you look at, like, in New York, what they're doing there with monitoring social media and building profiles on people based off social media traffic. Um, it's just, it's really getting Orwellian, you know. Um, so, so the question is, what, what are some things that, that we could tell people that, that they could do about that? Number one, I would be getting ready, um, you know, stocking your basic stuff, um, but also trying to fashion your life in the one that can withstand the blows that are to come, you know, um, as far yeah, as I think, access to food, I think water, really, things like that. Really good stuff. Uh, I say the first thing is take a break. Because, sure, in, in mass, some people uh, and voices can be heard. But I, I kind of think, focus on things that I can affect. And I, I kind of almost mm -hmm. envision myself, like every now and then, I just stick my head up out of the hole and see, all right, this is happening now. This is happening. Okay, God, let me get back to just focusing on what I need to do, exactly what you're talking about, Chris, just to kind of start being more prepared, more self-sufficient, and not let that stuff overwhelm me, which is kind of a fine line. We need to be informed, right? Uh, but with so much information mm -hmm. overload, uh, it, it can be a challenge. Uh, so I say it's important to disconnect some. Disconnect. And focus yeah. on the things you need to be doing for sure uh, to be getting ready. But it's just too overwhelming. We have so much information and everything that's pushed is really not good stuff. That's just hitting us from every angle. Like, are we even designed? I, I saw a reel the other guy this was talking about where humans designed to take all of that input that we see globally 24 hours a day. You, you you turn on something and there's stuff that's not good. So 
take a, a bit of a disconnect from that. Focus on the things that you can cro- control within a two mile radius and poke your head out the hole every now and then to see, all right, where are these falling to this point? And mostly just because that's an indicator of maybe how much time I got left, you know, to keep preparing uh, to keep my family safe. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, you're, you're, we're constantly bombarded with stimuli. And, and like you said, everything you see in here, it's propaganda from one side or the other. Um, and sure. I've been saying kind of the same thing for years, telling people, we're prepared for tomorrow, but remember to live for today. You know, do the things that you enjoy. You know, take your family on vacations. Do all those things because someday you may need those memories to 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 think back to that it it was better. It, it will be better again. You know, um, and so I, I agree with you entirely on that. Um, take the time. You know, paralysis to analysis is another problem. You, you get too inundated with this information, you don't know what to do either, which could be just as big of a problem. Uh, yeah, consider the information that we're getting as well with AI. I mean, we talked about this here a couple episodes about. I mean, so much can be done with this AI now. Who even knows what you're watching, if it's true or not? Well, yeah, I, as I, an I, example I, of that, I, I, today I, I read an article. I was about some photos that came that Hamas put out. Sue, so is that what you're about to mention? Uh, Hamas put out propaganda photos claiming they were from Gaza. But they're AI generated photos because a, a guy in one of the photos only had four fingers on one hand, and then a little boy in one of the other photos had six fingers on one hand. So that's a pretty clear indication those are AI generated photos. But looking at them, you can't tell until you catch something like that. You know, most kids don't have six fingers. And <laughs> and they did it on the hand he had raised too, which I thought was really weird. But but the AI thing is scary because you're right, we don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, you have to kind of like, go ahead. Go ahead, Sue. Oh, no, I'm just agreeing with what, what Matt said. That's that's what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks. And of course, T and I got together and we 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 dabble in, you know, helping out uh some of the guys that were at fallout. But uh other than that, I've just been focused on my backyard type thing, you know, and I'm I'm okay. I've okay, what what do I need to do? to get ready for the winter, you know, and what do I need to do to get ready for the spring and everything. I, I, and I try to apply about two or three hours a day to it. And it's kind of, kind of my uh, therapy, if you will. Okay. What do I need to do if the electricity just stopped or like we saw here in North Carolina uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, the, the, we're not getting any gas for two or three weeks, you know? So if I run out of gas, I run out of electricity, do I have enough to bide, bide some time and, and, you know, poke my head out of the foxhole, like Matt was saying, and say, okay, what's going on now? And then go back down and then I can start preparing, you know, for what's going to hit us. Because I, I agree with all of you. I think, I think what's happening in the big cities has nothing to do with homesteaders and people in the rural areas. I mean, we, we can focus on other things and not worry about this big city. Right. I agree, because the the cities are going to be their own little problem unto themselves, you know, just because of carrying capacity alone. And uh, I'm so glad I don't live in a big city. 
that we're out in the sticks, which is where I like to be. Um, but Matt, what do you think other than, than taking that time to breathe and, and taking a moment to, you know, to understand that you're being bombarded with this stuff and, and, and to try to don't let it consume you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What's some other stuff that you right. recommend? Um, you know, cause a lot of preppers, they're all, they're great about storage stuff and we all are, we all store tons of stuff, but we've got to look beyond on that and have systems in place that'll fulfill these needs when the stores run out. So, so kind of like, what are you doing right now? I know you could, did you guys finish your wife's new office? Is that thing up and up and running? Yeah. 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 It's, it's good to go and, and it's working out. Awesome. Really well. Okay. Yep. Good deal. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I think good. I was just wondering things, about that. Uh, things that I, I would throw out there. It's really easy for us to take for granted. Um, that's just the way it is. You're, you're really into something. It's easy for us to forget that not everybody's got the experiences that we have, have walked a lot of paths that we have. And so I say, start back at the fundamentals, uh, medical stuff, right? Uh, it's all this stuff has been talked. I'm not going to say anything new here tonight. Nobody else has said, uh, but it's really, really important stuff because we're talking about, uh, you know, these big cities and, and getting out away from that. And then the significant problems, whether it's two weeks without gas or whether it's two months without electricity because of some even natural disaster happens, it just doesn't take very long for emergency services to get overwhelmed, right? And so uh, I'm always surprised how many people have never been to CPR and first aid course. You should look at the statistics on how many lives are saved every year just by CPR. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's a super important skill to have. Uh, and, and stop the bleed. You don't you don't have to go become a nurse, a doctor, an EMT. You can go take a free stop the bleed course somewhere. Something to keep your loans or people that you encounter uh, alive long enough to get them to a higher level of care and have the tools necessary to do that. So all, all this stuff that, that that I'll mention, I'm still, I'm training on this stuff. I've had training on it, uh, but a lot of these skills are perishable. Mm -hmm. And so I still train on this stuff. Um, the, sim the simple stuff, the more you train it, the less you're going to have to think about doing it whenever it really counts right. And that's the biggest thing. The, the other things that I'm going to mention, the metal, you just don't want to be figuring that out for the first time when it counts. <laughs> You know, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, when someone's got an arterial bleed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you've got two three minutes. Yeah. Uh, and you and all these other things are great, uh, but just because you've seen it doesn't mean you own it. And so that'd be the first no. thing I'd say. Getting some basic medical uh, training. Everybody should be doing that. Uh, about all the uh, small villages, I think they call them kibbutz. Got hit and no emergency mm -hmm. service were coming to help those people. So if you don't know yeah. any medical skills, the tornado comes through and wipes out, you know, five miles and F5 comes through. You think emergency services are, are coming to, to rescue you? They got a lot of people to deal with. So that's number one uh, on my list. Um, I don't know. I don't know what we can get away with on here talking about means of self-defense so i want to be choosy with my my words man yeah well as long as we're not showing them um and okay. uh 
we're fine, I believe, you know, so we're not showing them. We can talk about self-defense and the tools of self-defense. And, and if you two don't like that, freedom speeds and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, but yeah, I, I, you know, I everybody a, should, be, should be. Go ahead. Sue. Yeah. I, I, ha I have an example. I have an example of that. I picked up uh, my cousin's daughter, adopted daughter out of Nicaragua. She, uh, my cousin's, with, through their church group, adopted a little girl out of Nicaragua about five, six years ago. And I, uh, they were busy. So I, I picked her up today and uh, I took her after school. We went and had, uh, you know, a late launch together and I was stepping out of my truck and, and uh, she said, she, she looked at my waistband and she says, why do you have a gun? And uh, I said, well, I, I always carry a gun. She goes, why do you always carry a gun? Uncle Sue is what she said. And I was like, well, in case something happens, then I want to be able to protect you, right? And she goes, well, why do you need a gun? And I said, well, a gun's like a parachute. You know, if if you got to jump out of an airplane, you probably want a parachute to slow down, you know, slow down what's coming <laughs> next. So if uh, if you have a gun and something bad happens, you know, I, 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 I'm going to wish I had a and I don't have a gun. If something bad happens and I don't have a gun, then I'm probably going to wish I had one. You know, so I always carry one. So that's that's the way I explained it to a 13 year old girl, you know, from Nicaragua. And I Great think she, she got Great it pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. All of them around me, they all ask, they all ask me, do you only have one? Why do you only have one with you? You know, usually you have three or four. <laughs> that's usually what the question I get. Why do you only have one today? <laughs> yeah. I, I think you that's. Go ahead. I was going to say another thing is, 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 you know, that we take for granted because we all four of us, uh, we live out, outside the wire, you know, we're, we're out of the, the city, city life and water, you know, water is a huge thing. And, and I don't think much about it because I specifically bought this property because it has multiple springs on the property. So I have fresh water coming right out of the hillside behind my house and, um, you know, an artesian well and a pond and all this. But that's something that people really need to be focusing on right now is well, what's your sustainability with your water supply? Uh, yeah, because if you don't have water where you live, you will leave there and go to water is what will happen to you. So that's that's not negotiable, you know. You can thing a while, but water you can't, you know. That's that's a definite. Yeah. So and people on city water, you know, concerned about plan to, yeah, How do you get to it? You know, what's yeah. your plan? What's your plan to get to that water? Yeah, absolutely. and I would say another avenue that I really have spent. I'd say I've just dove really deep the past two years. I've been studying plants for about 10 years now, but I've really been getting more interested and in just diving deeper and deeper. And the cool thing about plants where uh, there are plants in, uh, in cities, in the country, I mean, you can find plants somewhere. And if you start to have an understanding of how those uh, have medicinal value and you can identify those things, you understand what to stay away from, uh, it doesn't matter. You could be a doctor, and if there if there are no medications prescribed, well, I guess you can tell someone what's wrong with them. But if you don't have any understanding of what nature's got to offer, 
in terms of healing properties, uh, then it's, it's probably not going to do you a lot of good. So that's another, the training, uh, starting to acquire knowledge on that. I would say just little bites at a time, learn a plant every week or every two weeks, something in your neighborhood. When you go for a walk, I don't care if that's in Central Park uh, or in Texas, wh wherever, find a place to go for a walk and just pick a plant. Uh, and there are some really, yeah. really good apps uh, that will let you identify them and then go home and research them. See if it has any, any kind of value. Is it medicinal? Is it toxic or poisonous? Uh, or does it have medicinal value? But I or is it food? Pretty, yeah. Or it's food. Yeah. Is it edible? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here's a, uh, here's a point I want to make. This just popped into my head when we start talking about water and it's, it's something that Alan's brought up to me, Alan Kay's brought up to me many times in his hops and travels around the world. Containers. Like, I want everybody to think for just a minute, how many five-gallon buckets do you have at home right now? Or, or say, five-gallon jerry cans kind of thing. Because containers, it's something we take for granted in the Western world because we don't have to do like a lot of the world does and walk for miles carrying water um, back to our homes. But let's just say that tomorrow that suddenly was your reality that you're having to move water manually to and from your home. Who has the containers to do so? You know, um, who has that ability? It's, again, it's something we don't even think about. But I think like a five gallon bucket in most of the world is a treasure. <laughs> I mean, Matt, I know you've been around, you know, some places. I know Sue has for sure. But something like a five gallon bucket can be a, a, a treasure to these people because it's it's very difficult to manufacture from nature, as you know, Matt. and uh, um, and that kind of industrial capacity doesn't exist all over the world. So having something like that is, is valuable. And when you start thinking of having to move liquids in particular, which are the most difficult commodity to move, be they fuel or water or, or anything, um, you're going to need containers to do that. Um, so it's just something to stick in the back of your mind. The next time you're at Lowe's or Home Depot, grab that orange or blue bucket. You know, No, they're not food grade, but it doesn't matter. For your purposes, um, having some containers and the ability to, because you know, think in a in a grid down situation, everything's gonna be manual. I mean, you move, you're gonna carry it. You know, once the fuel runs up for your side by side or whatever. Just for those that are gonna say that, uh, unless you've got large animal livestock that can do the the lifting for you. But containers is another thing. Um, and where do you stand on comms, Matt? Because I'm, I'm a ham operator, you know, and I believe comms are hugely important, more for listening than talking. But but what's your what's your opinion on that? Uh, so I'm, I've just dove off into the the world of comms, and I have lots to learn. But I'm I'm in the process of learning, and so uh, you know there are lots of good cheap options there. Some of those things, uh, like those, uh, I, I'll probably mispronounce it. The Baofengs, Bofengs, uh, you know the radio. Yeah, Baofeng, that's it. Yep, uh, re really cheap radios, uh, but ham capabilities, you know, uh, probably even more than that. Some that I've seen recently were, you know, eight watts of transmitting power. Um, mm -hmm. But I, for right now, because technically you said it yourself, you're licensed. Uh, FCC says you have to have a license to transmit. And so mm -hmm. I don't think the FCC has a huge history of just going after yeah because there are tons like airsoft kids and paintball you know who will use those as communication mm -hmm. devices. oh yeah i don't think he's out there just running around trying to hem people up for 250 grand or whatever but who are the people you were talking about earlier 
that said, hey, these, these people are problematic. And so if those people are using that ham, it doesn't mean they're going to get hemmed up. But, man, if, if they wanted to, technically, right? So something that I've been looking into, uh, the, my understanding, uh, two that don't require a license. And I, I think because those are so cheap, they're worth uh, the, the hams, the Balfangs, they're worth getting and putting on the shelf, right? Putting into EMP. Oh, sure. Whatever. Um, you got FRS and MERS, right? That don't require a license. Mm-hmm. Uh, so MERS is something that I've been looking more into. Uh, wow. As long as the grid up, because it doesn't require a license. And my understanding, limited understanding of MERS, uh, is that it's somewhere between FRS, which is your typical Walmart Midlands, and uh, a ham, something like that. So uh, a little bit better, and I don't think a lot of people are running MERS radios. Yeah, more than you would think, trust me. Those frequencies, those frequencies are used by a lot of folks. Um, what we need to do, dude, we need to, me and you need to get together offline and look at schedules and um, go over to brush beater and take his RTO course. Um, I'd love first you two need to meet. I've been trying to arrange that for years and you need that class. And I, I'll take it again as a refreshment, but I'd like to take it up and take it with you. Uh, because he'll really open your eyes. Yeah. To the comms questions. He'll open your eyes. January, isn't it? Does that uh, there probably is one in January. January. Yeah. Well, why, why were I got, yeah. Why were go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you. No, I, I was going to change the subject a little bit, but uh, and, and I agree. We we all need to kind of get together. I, you know, being a former common guy for SF uh, for Special Forces, I'd I'd like to just teach people Morse code and then how to take a a phrase out of uh, any book that we want to and trigraph it. So even even when people do hear it, you know, they don't know what you're saying on there. That type of saying. Just it's a simple, you know, simple method to, to used to be used, you know, behind the Iron Curtain or during the Nazi occupation of France. But it is really simple, and uh, I I don't know why people don't know more about it. But uh, to change the subject, I wanted to ask Matt what I used to do. I read this book by this A American years ago. You know, like like 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> When I was in Colorado, I used to have I used to have this bug out bag, you know, this little day pack just full of anything. You know, I was like, well, you know, if I if I wreck my truck or roll my truck in the mountains or, you know, if Denver just suddenly catches fire and we can't get out of Denver, I got this bag and I, I need to go with. I've gotten a real bad habit of not carrying that anymore. And I've, I've noticed that in the last mm. month or two that I was like, I don't have my bug out bag anymore. Uh, Matt, what do you, do you, are you in the habit of carrying a bug out bag? If you leave home 25, 30 miles away from home. So in my mind, I think a bug out bag is I'm never coming back and uh, it would, it would take a lot to have for me to come back. So what I've done that makes me carry it more often is more of a, a smaller bags. I'm a former engineer, so I, I've had to do without uh, and just create stuff out of for missions. And so I have this tendency: if I've got a big bag, I'm put, I'm filling it up. And I, I just know that about myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah, I, I just start carrying a smaller bag uh, that's 
stuff, <laughs> something for shelter, uh, something with water, some self-defense means a little tiny bit of food because I won't, wouldn't need much water filtration way to carry water and just a few extra goods in there. But what I find is because it's a smaller bag and it's not like my bug out bag used to be, uh, I carry it a lot more. And uh, it, as silly as it sounds, uh, one of the things, I, I just don't know if a lot of folks carry them or not, but one of the, the prized things that I carry in that get home bag is a good set of those Arc'teryx kneecaps, their knee pads. Because I think mm-hmm. I'm probably going to want to take a knee if it's dark, dirt road, uh, you know, a piece of gravel slicing my knee. And so I always have a couple yeah. of those. And I don't see that in a lot of people's bags. But if you've done lots of rucking or lots of hiking, uh, then, you know, it's a good idea to take a knee whenever you can. And I don't want to have to be, you know, as thoughtful about where I'm kneeling down uh, to take a something or take a rest or whatever. So, and then one other bag, I just have a fight bag. And that bag has uh, some water. Uh, ammunition, uh, night vision, uh, because sure as a world, it'd be nice to have that if uh, you were out after dark. Real simple things like a two mile radius. So not very much in that bag. But anytime I leave the house, that that stuff's always with me. But because they're much smaller, less bulky to bring in, I don't mind bringing them in every time. It makes me keep them with more. See, I got a my ruck is my ruck's a big one uh, right now, but I I leave it in my truck. Uh, It just stays in my truck. But that ruck's designed for the like you said, Matt. I'm never coming home because I could you know I could easily be a thousand miles from where I live on any given day. Um, And that bag is like sustained. I could rebuild the village out of this ruck if I have to, kind of a thing, you know. And what you saying? Same here. Yeah, I was saying I'm the same way. I like. I like the option to have it. And if I have to ditch it for some reason, I can, you know, uh, I've got the big bag with all the goodies. Now the knee pad thing, that's a great idea. Another thing I throw in my bag too, I started carrying is uh, sea salt, you know, all those trace minerals, all that to yeah, replenish yeah. your body. I carry a thing of sea salt with me in my bag along with some other stuff. And then I, of course, um, Sue and I last week had got together with some, acquaintances and uh he made note of my man purse that i packed around uh the merce <laughs> as he referred to it i personally like it i can carry all that stuff in there i've got my my blowout kit and pistol and ammo and you know all those trinkets that go in there plus my wallet and all that stuff and i kind of i've gotten in the habit of packing that thing around too because it's convenient just throw it over throw it over my shoulder pack it around nobody really looks at it it's not you know, other than, you know, hey, that guy looks a little strange with his man purse. But other than that, I think it's pretty common. <laughs> yeah, I do have you need to make sure your man purse matches your skirt next time and they won't look at you as much. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there was a guy with that's a purple ponytail that was <laughs> winking at you. You didn't notice. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, if I'm gonna so, so quick question for the, for, for the I'll have something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I keep a big one because I'm not just going to keep redoing them. But quick show of hands, who carries a tourniquet like on their person? Any of you guys? Yeah, all right. So you don't, yeah, you better. All right, so I figured. Yeah, because that's another one of those things. 
back to the analogy of the gun, when you need one, you don't have time to go find one. You need one right, right now. Uh, so if you carry a gun, you better carry a tourniquet. Same. So. I, that's in my that's in my man purse. I've got the uh, bear slick kit that I carry, and uh, and then the tourniquet. And uh, I actually started carrying a, a tourniquet in my pocket years ago, especially working around. I've been dropping a bunch of trees here lately, and I watched my father years ago uh, skip a chainsaw down his shin, and we were out in the middle of the Ooh. woods. And of course, if he would have nicked something in the wrong spot, that'd have been game stopper right there. So, you know, just little things like that you should think about. You know, how many of us out in the woods use a chainsaw? I use a chainsaw at least probably once a week towards the winter time when we're cutting firewood. I use it a lot. And that tourniquet, that life or death right there. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Well, uh, so, got, Matt, what do you carry for night vision? Right here, There's a lot of people right here in my pocket. Right here in my pocket. Yeah, right, right here in my pocket. Just one real quick. Uh, since I retired from the military, I don't wear a watch anymore. And I used to, I used to just put a compass on there, but uh, uh, the wrist compasses tend to break and get, you know, most are made out of plastic and then tore up. I was at a tracking class. Guy gave me this. This is actually one of the neatest things I think I've ever owned, and it's real small. It's smaller. Than, it's about half the size of a can of Copenhagen. I put it in my front pocket. All it is is a compass, right? That they used to use. They used to use a model of this in clear back in the, uh, the uh, Revolutionary War, and it's got a little sundial on it. And you point this towards the north, and whatever the shadow goes at, that's what time it is. You know, so that, that, that was cool. given to me at a tracking class, and I was like, that is the neatest thing I've ever seen. So I've just gotten a habit of just making sure that goes in my front pocket all the time. So. If I gotta if I gotta run out of the car real quick, I can at least stay in one direction, you know. Yeah, that's pretty slick. And I don't I, I don't use a flamingo on my watch. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. What are you saying, Matt? You you asked about vision. Is that, is that what you asked about? Not what night vision. Well, yeah, we were asking about night vision. Yeah, what you yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I asked uh, what do you what do you you can't even so many blasts. So, uh, I'm partial to a PBS 14. Uh, I know it's yeah, a lot of people are now in bios. I think binos are great if, if you're driving or doing something dynamic like that. But you know, just for me personally, I've, I've used both and I prefer a PBS 14. I like the white phosphor. And when I had mine built, I went with the L3 filmless tubes uh, because they'll be a little bit more durable. Nice. And I, I'm really, really happy with them. But I just like the 14. I'm, you know, I can easily flip it from one side to the other. Uh, makes life easy. Uh, and then I don't lose my night vision in the other eye. And then it allows me uh, the capability to go to my thermal. And just you know, flip the one out of the way. Yep. Now you could you could do the same with binos, but that's just my preference. Uh, I prefer fourteen. Which, for those who don't know, yeah, I've got one, and I've yeah, the monocular. Yeah, I've got one, and I've got a bino too. But but I probably use the fourteen more than I do the binos. Uh, for just like you said, like you wear it over non-dominant eye, yeah. probably. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like that a force multiplier, guys. That's a game changer. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but now that's but, it, that's but a if you got point. it, the other guy doesn't. That's that's a game changer. Look, I I know the winning factor. Whoever owns the night owns the world. Yeah. I, I found that out uh, in in the Middle East. We own the night. Um, guys way cooler than me were doing way cooler things than I was doing. They own the night and they own the battlefield. Uh, so yeah, it's a huge force multiplier. That that was years ago. Well, man. guys, we're gonna we're gonna do a At quick. My age. Yeah, at, my, at my age, I, you know, I'm in bed by eight o'clock, so I just go into a fetal position and try to try to hide for the entire hours of darkness. Now, <laughs> tuck on <in> bed. <laughs> if I can't see the monster, the monster can't see me. <laughs> Using that whole line of thought, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, guys. You know, we got to do some shameless plugging here real fast. Um, but don't forget, hashtag survival. If you got some questions you want Matt and Matt to answer, or any of the, any of us here to answer, um, and we do have the super chat stuff going on. That's one way to make sure your question will get answered. I hate to sound like I'm panhandling, but this is YouTube, so we're panhandling. Um, so we'll be back in just a few minutes, guys. And don't forget about on, on the rocks podcast, after that. If we talk about gun control, it's in relation to your marksmanship. Haven't had enough yet? Stick around for after the show. Boulder. Grittier, angrier. On the rocks with Angry American and the gang is coming up next. Nice, nice. What thermal do you use, Matt? Are you are you running uh, when you're not weapon mounted? Let's put it that way. Uh, the only thermal I ha well, you can use it mounted or unmounted, and it is a uh, Polar. I think it's an XD fifty A. Um, so it's, I probably got it maybe four years ago. I think there's some much more streamlined stuff on the market now, uh, but it works, works really well. And it complements night vision, right? They both have their, their distinct advantages. And, uh, I, I like that one because you can, if I had to do over again, I would get a clip on something that you could use handheld, but something that clips on in front of your day optic. I'm uh, I'm acquiring one of those in the very immediate future. Actually, it's a new one um, that I can't even remember the name of it because they, they just were imported for the first time here. But they're a, a high end one, and it comes with all of the rings to attach to the different optics. So it'll clip right on the front of your optic directly to it, um, and it's now you've got a weapon out of thermal. So I'm going to be getting one right. of those here very soon. It's actually in Gainesville waiting on me. Hmm? Uh, there, there's one I think it's called Iray. Ray, I think, is a really nice one. I think I'm saying that right. It might be. I'm not sure. But uh, John Faulkner of Firearms Depot, um, they ha he has them in stock. He had three of them was all he was able to get. One of them's earmarked for me. I'm picking that because I'm going to do some video on it and stuff, too, because uh, this is a pretty nice system. Um, and a weapon-mounted thermal, that's, you know, <laughs> even if you're just hunting, that's, that's, that's pretty damn good right there. Yeah. Yeah, and add a can that out when we all get together again. Oh yeah, yeah, we will. I just gotta get over to and pick it up, and then I'll I'll let everybody see it uh, post show. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some of these questions over here as we go through this. Uh, oh, here we go. That's a great one. Boom. Water filtration matter. Are you a pump guy or a gravity guy? 
Uh, no way, gravity uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've tried like uh, some very expensive pump filters, and they clogged so fast. You had so much going on with the the different tubes where they could cross contaminate each other, and everybody else was just drinking uh, to their heart's content while I was continuously cleaning out my my pump filter. So just know what things yeah. there are to worry about in your area. And if it ain't much, it really can't be the Sawyer Mini. If there is more, then, you know, a Grail or something like that that's got a lot more. Just know the capabilities of your filter because they're not all created equal. And know what are the most likely things you need to worry about where you're at. But, no, you keep those pump filters. Yeah, that's – well, and, too, the, the ability to – uh, filter water quickly, filter water on the move, because you may not be able to filter your water at the source. You might have to run down, scoop a bunch up, and run off with it. So, uh, and that's one of the things that I dislike about the the like the Sawyer's um, that little bag they give you. It's got that tiny little fill hole, you know fill hole in it, and you're not going to scoop up water and run with that. You know. Now, you know? the only reason you're not going to fill those... that in in a stagnant water. No, I keep those. So that whenever I teach classes, I can tell people, throw this away. I was using one uh, down in yeah, what not <laughs> Seal busted on me, and it was like, well, okay, I guess I'm just, just drinking raw water now. But it's hard to beat uh, just a smart water bottle. They got a little bit thicker metal plastic. You, you can carry, even out of the country, just take the bottle empty. That's what I do if I'm somewhere, uh, and I'll just hook my solder yeah. to that and boom. Yep. I'm running just a live straw. Just, just would... pack a little live straw around with me. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. With that. Don't, so here's here's the thing I'll tell you to consider about relying on only a straw filter. Is yeah. that means that you've got to get down on your knees and put your face in the water source, and you're not pulling security when you're doing that. That's, That's my problem That's with true. straw filters in general. So. And now that's the See what your go to water filter. Yeah, so you can. I mean, if you get it out right. of the puddle, you can filter it. I just wonder what, what filter do you like, Sue? I, I, I generally, like you were talking about containers before, I usually just carry a metal, like, you know, a metal algae bottle with a big, wide opening, and I scoop yep. water up. And then I, I I get it to a running boil. I have several filters that people have given me over the years, and I've never really gone out and played with them, probably because you know I was I was raised out in the Rocky Mountains, and I don't think I get Giardia. I never had a, a problem drinking water, but if if I'm questioning water, I will boil it. I will always boil it before I I, I drink it. You know, so. But uh, That's the I, have, I, have drank, for sure. I have drank water. Yeah, I've drank I've drank nasty water in several parts of the world, and I've I've yet to you know even get to Montezuma's Revenge. I I I just don't have that problem for some reason, you know. Hmm. That means your 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 gut's a hostile environment for them. They can't survive there. <laughs> and our next question. Well, yeah, and I just uh, I just uh, this one I just spent the last six months me. with some disease I don't know about. Probably got it from the water somewhere. <laughs> oh. You probably did get it from the water. Uh, Will Gomez, the way you do that is with a sat phone. That's how you do it on TV. <laughs> right. Especially when you that's can't exactly go nowhere. 
<laughs> when you're Will, Will is when been, you're stuck there and there's nowhere to go. He's been spreading the love around. He actually made a comment for Sue. I don't know if Sue's watching these. He said they didn't have NVGs around Sue during during the Civil War. The Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so here's one of Jason says, so what if unequivocally you can't move from an urban environment? I will prevail in any situation, even living in an urban environment. It's just going to be a hell of a harder. Everything you do is going to be so much harder. I mean, that's, that's what I'll say. Uh, cause you're going to have so many people. Well, not even just people, but life forms in general for the same from uh, humans, to rats fighting over the same resources. And, and when you put people in that kind of density, we get disease issues because Westerners especially have no idea how to deal with their own waste. They're used to just flushing a toilet. Um, and so it's a foreign concept to them to well, deal we with talked it about directly. This before. We talked about this before during Reagan, Reagan administration years ago with, uh, with the uh, waste, waste management services when they went on strike for three days in New York. You know, think about just that. They shut down yeah. New York City with garbage. In three days, it was shut down. You couldn't even move. So you throw that into the equation of being being in the urban, urban, uh, you know, the city, uh, garbage shut down the biggest city, the, the biggest, the most brightest, best city there is in the United States, at least by, you know, city standards. So, uh, yeah, trash. That's all it took. Well, that and uh, I've been in several hurricanes here in North Carolina. But yeah, uh, when you live in an urban environment, I, I picked up a lot of uh, techniques off of, of the hurricanes that were coming into North Carolina all the time. And uh, when I hear hurricanes coming in, the first thing I'll do is go to every bathroom, every sink, and I'll just fill them full of water for potable water right there. You know, just just to have some water and you know ration ration it. I guess you'd have to. But uh, just fill up your bathtubs, fill up your sinks. Like like uh, uh, we were saying is if you have big pots and things like that, just fill things up with water. And there's your start right there, staying in an urban environment. And just, just have potable water to drink. And hopefully you can ride it out, whatever it is, until you can get out. But my first thing, if I was in an urban environment, is I was wait for the first wave or two, two, uh, the second wave, and then I would get up and get out of the urban environment, get out of that trash yeah. as fast and, as possible. And if you absolutely can't, I can think of nobody uh, better suited than homeless to show you how to survive in an urban environment. They, they do it all the time with, yep. with very little. <laughs> and so those folks, uh, Maybe not by choice, but they they are the experts uh, to go to because every environment the environments and every time I go somewhere to learn at an instructor level, I'm going to learn with someone who lives in that environment and specializes in it, right? So that I can get uh, down to the minutia of what is very specific about because a lot of things have crossover. Uh, so if you are stuck in an urban environment. Uh, e either study, talk to, humanize people, and go visit with them and ask them questions because they know better than, than anyone uh, how to survive in those environments for sure. Yeah, Alan, um, yeah, our he mutual. was talking with a homeless guy up in Asheville one time, and 
And he asked the guy, he, the, the, the guy took Adam to his camp and everything. And, there, and he said camp was tidy and clean and everything. And he's, he's talking to the guy and he's like, uh, what's one thing that you could have just like one thing um, for, you know, to improve your life out here, what would it be? And the guy thought about it for a minute and he said an e-tool. I mean, he said folding shovel, but, but he said an e-tool. And Al was like, an e he goes, really, a folding shovel? And he's, he's like, yeah. He goes, it, it let me bury my waste. It would let me keep my camp cleaner. It would let me do this and do that. So it's just from what you're saying, that these people have an interesting perspective because they already do live that life. Um, that was an interesting reply to us that like, because that's like for everybody sitting here having an e-tool with us is probably a given. Like, you know, my ruck's got a Glock e-tool in it. Something I take. I live in Florida where you can dig, so I keep a shovel. Um, but the interesting perspective goes right to what you just said, you know. Let me see. And Andrew Dowdy says, I don't think we will ever be truly prepared, but we can make life better with what we're doing. Yeah, what you're doing right now. Absolutely. Everybody's going to crash. The only question is how hard is we each going to hit because everybody's going to have a different landing, so to say. 100%. And kind of falls in line with this. Uh, you, you talk about it all the time, and that's building community. And sometimes I think, you know, it's easy to hear build community and for that to be kind of an overwhelming thought of, oh, that means I have to build this, you know, long reach network. Like just make some friends with local people and um, with people who kind of have the same that they don't have to leave. This is going to happen or that's going to happen, but they just are like, mm, you know, I'm just not sure about where the world's at. I don't know. Something could happen. Uh, start building that network. And just like he was taught, that will make things better too, right? Having that network. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely. We, we, uh, you know, and like you said, your network could, could be, it doesn't have to be local. Yeah. 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 Start, start yeah. partying with your neighbors. Do it now. Be like, hey, I see you got a substantial amount of eggs. You know, um, I've got, you know, whatever vegetables or fruits. Let's start doing a little trading. Start that, start that process right now. Get that already. You know, when, when is the time, when's the worst time to start this kind of stuff? When everything's already went to hell. If you already have these, these networks in place and you've already started bartering and trading and, you know, trading out even labor, say, Hey, you know, I'm a skilled carpenter. You're a, you know, you do goat husbandry, whatever, you know, whatever it is, start bartering those, those skills with, with fellow man and woman right now, uh, because it's way easier to do in the world that we live in thus far than the world where it's going. And that, that goes right back to something Matt was, was talking about earlier about how he's, he's still working on his edible medicinal plants. It was, you know, recommended people go do that. That's a skill, right? And and like you just said, T, we can barter our skills. Um, you know, all the cool stuff and the gear, the kit, we can lose those things. But skills, as long as we maintain them, we won't lose them. And that's, you know, you can you can trade your knowledge for stuff, like you're just saying. So get some training, guys, you know, in, in whatever it is. You know, like, like Matt said, go take a Red Cross CPR class, you know, take a stop the bleed class. I take a pistol class, a carbine class, a, a communications class, a, you know, a T triple C or whatever, but take some training, you know, 
Um, if you've got an interest in, in, in like something like mechanics or woodworking, get into it. Start learning it now so that you'll have skills that you may be able to borrow. Because, um, you know, it's not much. You don't have to stretch your imagination very far to wonder what people will have to do to get the things they need when money is no longer a medium of exchange and things like that. It's not going to be fun unless you have skills that you can trade. Um, the tra the, those trade skills are huge, too. And there's, you know, yeah. we always think about, oh, you know, my bug out bag and my kit and my pew pews and, you know, my stockpile of uh, insert here. But how many of you guys know how to patch a tire? How many of you guys know how to frame, how to roof, how to make repairs, no matter what it is, electrical, plumbing? You know, all these type of skills are becoming a, a thing of the past in this day and age um, and in, in super high demand. I come from the world of, of transportation mechanics and I was a licensed general contractor for years. So those skills there, grid down, world world went off the deep end. Now, now they became uh, worth way more, way more at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever your skills that is. I mean, data entry is not going to be a big one, but like electricians and things like that still will be. And I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. I stepped on you. I was just going to say bottom line is make yourself more of an asset than a liability because uh, we're all both. Uh, all of us are both of yep. those things. We just want to be a little bit more on the asset side. And whether that's with knowledge or skills or capabilities. Uh, and I, you know what I always, I've, a whole lot want to do it I, I just was never a gearhead didn't my life didn't i just like to go take a small engine repair class not because i want to do somebody else yeah. i just like to be able to work on my lawnmower you know just for me that's yeah. all yeah but that's a heck of yeah. skill but then that turns that's exactly exactly yeah i mean like i just had to rebuild the car but one of my generators because uh my one i use for my camper all the time um i didn't have to take that to the shop no that 60 or that 72 inch bad boy ZT mower I have, I had to take that to the shop. Uh, but but my generator, like the little things like that, I can handle that. And the only reason I had to take that damn mower to the shop, I couldn't get it off the ground, pull the clutch. So uh, I'm going to put this last comment well, up and, here for Will. It's an interesting one. Go ahead, Sue. Well, the other thing I was going to say was uh, learn to use hand tools too, because if you don't have you don't have power and you don't have fuel, then knowing how to drive a nail and to use a saw and and a lot of people used to laugh at me. I, I was one of the first few in my generation in the military that started carrying around a tomahawk. It wasn't it wasn't that I was going to try to scalp somebody or take somebody's head off with it. That tomahawk was just as important the as the tool when it came to making you know, foxholes and overhead cover and all that kind of stuff. Everybody wanted to borrow my tomahawk when it came to just regular 7-8 infantry skills, you know, and we, nobody issued tomahawks or axes anymore. So that's learn to use hand tools. I'll tell you. That's my addition to it. Yeah, I'll tell you a, a simple little, a simple little skill set and a, and a mild investment in, in, uh, in materials would make you a highly valuable individual in a grid down situation. And that's somebody that can build small scale solar power uh, stations. You know, think a small panel, a battery, like the, like the Yetis, the, the Z, uh, Goal Zero Yetis and things like that, but on a small scale so that you can charge, say, cordless tools or something to that effect. Um, because when there is no power, a little power goes a long way. 
So, yep. um, and this is the last comment we want to put up here. It says, it's from Will Gomez. He says, if Trump loses 24, there will be civil unrest. Beans, bullets, band-aids, comms, fuel. Pretty well sums it up. I mean, we don't know what will happen if he wins, but this is a, we have a pretty good idea just from what they're doing to him now to ensure it never happens. But, uh, Matt, you got anything you want to leave him with tonight, man? Uh, the only thing I would say is just to hit one more time on aware of what's happening. Uh, but I don't think there's anything more important I could say in the current climate we're in. Take a break from your phone, spend time with the people that you love, that you care about, do something good. Because the truth, every single time I go to a restaurant and eat, I'm really, really thankful because. I have this thought that keeps creeping up in my mind. There's probably going to come a day where I can't just come and sit down and pay for someone to serve me and to bring me anything that I want to eat. So I'm going to enjoy the little things, right? Uh, so my, my goal for next year, I'm going to have a little uh, resolution. Today's my phone is going to be turned off and I'll be unreachable. I'm not going to carry it with me. Cause I need to unplug and I would say, make sure if it's an hour, if it's a half a day, a whole day, make sure you take the time to unplug and enjoy that time. Live like Chris was talking about There's lots to be worried about. Take the time to live. I couldn't agree with that more. You're spot on. Sue, what do you got, man? Uh, just, just a caveat. What Matt said, and uh, what I've what I've said since this podcast started was uh, take the time to sit down with that that generation. You know, the, we call the, the World War II vets the greatest generation, but there's a lot of people in their 80s and 90s right now. Take a notebook with you and ask them how they lived when they were kids, especially if they grew up in rural areas. And it's just amazing what you can learn with how they lived their childhoods. And if you just take those notes and realize that they they were a lot of them were raised without electricity, without, you know, a, a phone all the time. They, if they, uh, if they was listened to anything electronic, it was the family radio. And you'd be surprised that we're only two generations away from that. So stop panicking. If, if everything just goes to hell tomorrow, we'll go back to that. And we, we will gather around the Christmas tree and around the, the, the dinner table and be more families. I kind of, kind of wish it would happen. I, I know that scares a lot of people, but and I, I kind of wish we didn't have computers and cell phones just for the holidays, like Matt said, so we can spend more time with our families, especially that generation that we're about ready to lose. You know, they're all getting too old. So I just did that with some to folks in Louisiana. Yeah, I was just doing that. T, what do you got, man? I'm just going with uh, what these guys said. Um, disconnect pay attention to to your own doorstep that's the best way you can put it like you know focus on your own doorstep before you worry about everybody else's doorstep uh that's what we do in this world too much is we worry about everybody else and i'm not saying be self-centered that's not where i'm going but you know get your own priorities in line before you start worrying about everything else that's happening in the world it's important but more so important what's on your own doorstep I agree entirely. You know, I've been saying it for years, you know, live for the day. And it's the same thing Matt's saying, basically, you know, enjoy the little things, 
you know, uh, people talk about what are you going to miss if this happened? I'll tell you the thing I miss, miss the most will be a hot shower and air conditioning. Those are the two things I'm going to miss. So, you know, we take it for granted, but that's what I'm going to miss. Um, we're not going to have any lives next week, guys, because Thanksgiving, uh, you know, next week. And so we're, everybody's going to take that time off. Uh, the pre-orders are out for book 12, Exploring Home. The signed copy pre-orders, guys, those are, I'm just waiting on them. They're on their way. As soon as I get here, they'll get signed and be shipped out to y'all. Um, so don't forget, you can join us over at the after show on the rocks. Matt, you can hang out with us for a little while over there. We can be a little free over there and talk about whatever so right. so yeah so you guys you can jump on a patreon and catch that one um and that's it for tonight i guess you guys be good or be good at it we'll catch you not next week but the week after we got some good guests coming on.